Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. While it was looking more and more like the Packers and the Bucks were on a collision course for a rematch of the NFC Championship game, do not forget about the Rams. Then what happens? The Bucks go out, they get humiliated by the Saints, and the Rams handle their business again. See, at this point, it really doesn't even matter what day the game is. Yeah, Tuesday football is kind of weird and awesome. But it doesn't matter what day the game is. It really doesn't matter what time the game is. Right now, the Rams are going to show up and they're going to ball the hell out. Sunday afternoon game, Cooper Cup is there. Monday night game, Cooper Cup is there. Tuesday afternoon game, Cooper Cup is there. And he showed up huge again last night. Like he always does. Nine receptions, 136 yards, two touchdowns. That's three straight games of 120 receiving yards and at least one TD. Like we're talking historic numbers now. The first TD yesterday broke the team record for receptions in a season. Shotgun snap. He's looking right. He fires to the goal line, sitting down with the catch. And the touchdown is Cooper Cup. Touchdown LA. And Cooper Cup with that grab and that touchdown sets a franchise record for most receptions in a single season. I'm telling you, man, that guy. There have been some damn good receivers in the history of that franchise, and they would throw it around. But he's now got the record. And if one is good, then two is even better. Now they go empty, three by two, trips to his left. That's where he looks initially, gets through it, drives the ball down the right seam. Cooper Cup has the catch, middle of the field at the 10, five, touchdown, L.A. Cooper Cup with his second touchdown of the second half, and the Rams are back on the high side. I got to tell you something. Some of my favorite Rams ever were wide receivers. I hate to say this, but move over, Flipper Anderson. Move over, Henry Ellard. Man, I really don't want to say this because I love the guy. Move over, Torrey Holt. This guy is that good, though, and putting up numbers like that. And, of course, he went viral for breaking down a play, remember? Because he did that, everybody was looking for him to go football nerd with his breakdown of the second TD. So, you ask for it and you shall receive. Yeah, then we got into empty, uh, got into a little empty package. We, you know, defense was playing the coverage they've been playing. They got into a cover two, and uh, then Matthew was just a, Matthew's a really good football player. And, and that's, that's, about that. that's, that's my analysis for that touchdown. All right, so that's his analysis. Now, here's my technical football nerd analysis of Cooper Cup. He's a damn good player. Straight up baller. It does not matter how much you focus on him, how many resources or energy or bodies that you commit to stopping this guy. You still can't stop this guy. He is so dominant that on his worst game of the year, he still had five receptions for 64 yards. That was his worst game of the year. That's the only time he's been held under 90 yards this season. He's been over 150 more times than he's been under 90. Think about that stat for a minute. He's been over 150 more times than he's been under 90. Bleeping stud. Ordinarily, I would hype this guy for MVP. Because he is that legit. Those numbers are that legit. He's that good and he's that valuable. Arguably as valuable as anybody else to, his, to their team in the NFL. Virtually anybody else. 
I could argue that point. In fact, I want to argue that point, except I'm not going to because I know it's a giant waste of time. Voters are not going to give the MVP to a receiver. They're just not. So I'm not going to waste my time. Just know the guy is that good, and he is that valuable, and he sure as hell deserves that consideration. So, nice to know that no matter how many guys are missing, no matter how chaotic things get, that guy will always show up and show out. But last night was not only about Cooper Cup. It might start with him, but it was not only about him. There was also Sony Michelle and the physicality of that Rams offense. Do not be fooled by the passing game. Sean McVay is not just looking to air it out every single time and hope for the best. He knows he needs a nasty ground game too. He knows you have to have that to win in January. This is why he wanted Sony Michelle, and this is what he's getting from Sony Michelle. He's been awesome. I think he's really brought a toughness to our offense. You know, you, you saw the body of work that he had at New England. Um, you know, really, I think about when they ended up beating us in the Super Bowl, that stretch run, they really shifted their identity where they leaned on him. They were pounding. They were physical. Um, we've been able to do that with him. Absolutely. The guy looks great, and he runs hard. And also, it's not just about him and Cup and the offense. It's about that Rams defense, and it's getting better and better. According to Next Gen Stats, DK Metcalf was targeted seven times when Jalen Ramsey was the closest defender. He had two receptions for 21 yards on those targets. Ramsey locked him the hell up on third and 14. Midway through the fourth quarter, there was a play that told you everything about Jalen Ramsey and the Seahawks and Russell Wilson in particular. And if you're a 12, you already know the play that I'm talking about. But as much as I hate to do it, 12, I've got to run it back once again. You know I have to. Alvin, roll it. Wilson going deep. Metcalf knocked away at the last moment by Ramsey. Get hung up there a while. Did. He was open. Yeah, that was that, that is one that just we've seen this just a little bit from Russell as he's come back from this finger injury. All right, so first things first. Hell of a play and a hell of a recovery by Ramsey. I mean, yes, he was beaten on that play, but he still recovered and he made the play. But the fact is, Russell Wilson afforded him the opportunity to make that play. I'll get into this at greater length a little bit later on, but while the Seahawks are no longer the Seahawks, Russ ain't Russ. Russ just is not Russ. Not now he's not. I'm not saying he's washed. I'm not saying that he can't get it back. I'm not saying that that jacked up digit on his throwing hand isn't contributing to this because clearly it is. But here's what I am saying. In years past, Russ would never miss that throw. Pro Bowl Russ hits Metcalf with a frozen rope for an easy 40-yard gain, if not a touchdown. But not last night. Not this season. This dude is not right. And he and they better hope it's only that finger or dude just got really old really fast. Like he went from 33 to 53 over the course of a season. Like he aged 10 years from last week to this week. I'm not saying he's irreparably damaged. I'm not saying that. Nor am I saying that I have any idea exactly what he's dealing with. But he's dealing with something. Because this dude is no longer the dude. And not even close. He was 17 of 31 for 156 yards. Cooper Cup nearly had more receiving yards 
than Russ had passing yards. And he definitely had more touchdowns. So the Hawks are done. They're just done. Their season's not over technically. They're not mathematically eliminated, but their season is over. So is their run. So is the era. They do deserve respect for what they've done on the field and organizationally over the past decade. But per usual, when it goes, it goes fast. And the crazy thing is, I almost had to make the same argument about the Rams recently when it appeared that their entire season was ripping apart. They had lost three in a row. We had even glossed Matthew Stafford, Matty Gofford. It was. That was a pretty awesome gloss because he and they were struggling that badly. And it wasn't just Gofford. Suddenly, Sean McVay was not the smartest guy in the room. And the additions of Odell Beckham and Vaughn Miller looked like a giant waste of time. A couple of big-name dudes who were nowhere near what they used to be and not contributing, and it was going terribly. And right when you thought it couldn't get any worse, they get hit with a crazy, crazy COVID outbreak. And yet through it all somehow, someway, these guys have actually gotten better. Somehow it galvanized them. Somehow other guys did step up and they found a way to grind through it. And because of that, think how much better and tougher and how much more dangerous they're going to be when they do get guys back from the protocol. You know, as always, not dead can't quit. Not dead can't quit. And everybody was throwing dirt on these guys only to have the Rams rise up, rip the shovel right out of your hands, and smash you in the face with it. Like I said, when it goes, it goes fast. Not long ago, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that not only were the cards going to rip the NFC West, but they were going to get the top seed too, and the first round bye that goes along with it, and they were the best team in the NFL. We were talking about the cards that way only a couple of weeks back. Then the Rams got them. Then they chased that with a humiliating loss to the Lions. And suddenly, on the basis of only the last two weeks, now, and the matchup they had with the Cards, now it's almost impossible to pick against the Rams winning that division. I mean, it is a wild year where something happens every single week. And when it goes, it goes fast. McVay said it last night. That was, quote, a big-time win. And he's right. It was a big-time win by a team with a big-time set of brass nads. That's right. That's right, Stuart. That's right. They went through a really dark period, and somehow, someway, they came out the other end much better for it. And now they're not only in line to rip the division, but there's so much more at stake than even that. Oh, and in case you forgot, where is the Super Bowl being played this year? Whose house? Rams house. The work is working. The Rams are suddenly the team to beat in the West. And Cooper Cup is teaching a master class in receiving. Yeah, they had a little three deep fire zone, brought the nickel off the edge, safety dropped down. Uh, it didn't look like they were doing a replacement fire zone, so I knew at the back away we were going to get three pushing through. Um, I had an opportunity to kind of run in there if I could beat my guy and just had to beat the safety to the end zone. I'll tell you something. I feel good. I feel good. You know why I feel good? Because I look good. 
It's the holidays and you deserve a gift. So how about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels. A gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productivity that you'll have at work. Of course, I'm talking about giving yourself the gift of an X chair. I absolutely love mine. It is by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair that I've ever used. And honestly, it's got to be the coolest looking piece of furniture I own, hands down. Not only is X-Chair the world's best office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair and can either warm or cool your back. Can your office chair do that? I don't think so. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early, buy now. And here is X-Chair's holiday gift to you. Save 100 bucks off your X-Chair just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com. Right now, that's the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save xchairrome.com. Tom Pellicero is my guest. Tom, good to have you back. How are you? Fantastic, Jim. How are you? Good, good. Tom, listen, we don't have a lot of time, and the last thing I'm going to do is talk COVID, but we have to talk COVID. There's <laughs> a lot of things to cover above and beyond that, but you did report that 51 players were on the list on Monday. Robert Sala tested positive. There were more positive tests yesterday. Bottom line this for me, how much do you think that COVID is going to impact this weekend's games? It's going to be a moving target, Jim, and I think that that's going to be true all the way through the Super Bowl here because right now you've got the Omicron variant uh, that is causing the vast majority of these cases based upon uh, everything that we've heard from NFL medical experts as well as uh, national medical experts. It's a milder variant, so you don't have a lot of people with symptoms, but uh, we have roughly 10% of NFL players have tested positive since the start of last week, Mm. way over 200 positive tests. So, And that's without even testing uh, fully vaccinated asymptomatic individuals every day. So the NFL's policy continues to be if you've tested positive, regardless of symptoms, you cannot be around the team facility. You cannot play. So you got guys like Baker Mayfield who's saying, I'm completely asymptomatic. I'm healed. I'm fine. Well, their tests are saying you could still potentially infect others. And so they're not clearing guys to come back. It's just something the teams are going to have to deal with. Of course, the more people that test positive, the fewer people that is who can get COVID in the future. Because once you test positive, you're on a 90-day test holiday, which means anybody who tests positive from this point forward in the NFL is not going to be tested uh, tested for COVID at all through the Super Bowl. All right, so you just did a great job of laying that out. Let me ask you this. Because you mentioned Baker Mayfield, the Browns had to play a critical game in December when Nick Mullins is their quarterback instead of Baker Mayfield or even Case Keenum. Washington had to go with Garrett Gilbert yesterday. How concerned is the league about COVID? going into the postseason and potentially impacting playoff games and frankly you know having guys like that instead of the stars playing well there's no doubt about it Jim and you've got uh, you know some quarterbacks too within the league who are unvaccinated which is impactful based on the policy that if you're a high-risk close contact who's unvaccinated you've got to sit out for five days if you're an unvaccinated uh, player who tests positive You've got to sit out 10 days. We saw it with Cole Beasley testing positive yesterday. He'll miss a big game this week against the Patriots. But you've got guys within the league uh, like Kirk Cousins, who they're in a playoff chase right now. If he even has a close contact today, he's out for Sunday against the Rams. So you've got to factor that in. And then, yeah, you've got the the possibility here because we've seen it spread among vaccinated individuals at a pretty high rate in a bunch of different facilities. The one thing the NFL wants to do is not lose any games because – 
lost games equals lost revenue for owners as well as for players. It's in everyone's best interest to play every one of these 272 games in the regular season, to play the playoffs on time, to hold the Super Bowl on time in February in Los Angeles. But absolutely, from a, on a week-to-week basis, look what's happening with the Jets. Let's look, look at what's happening right now with the Chiefs. You're going to have decisions that have to be made, and what they did last week, postponing three games to one of them to a Monday, two of them to a Tuesday, that's not what they want to be doing, Jim. They want to play these games, but the reality is there's so much COVID, not just within the league, but across the country right now. You've got a high degree of community spread, and once it gets into the building, they're seeing this particular variant is able to spread among players, coaches, staff pretty easily. Tom Pelissero is joining us. All right, Tom, you had that incredible report on Urban Meyer and the situation in Jacksonville. If you could bottom line this, and I'm sure you could do this for hours, but if you had to bottom line it, how did this all go so wrong so fast for this guy? You said it, Jim. It went wrong really fast for Urban Meyer because for all the optimism early in the offseason, they were going to build a new facility. You're bringing in a winning coach. He's going to get things right with the organization. There were rumblings going back to the spring and certainly in August. I think that the the moment where it resonated with me that this entire thing might go sideways was after the second preseason game, Jaguars had lost the first two. And I was told at the time that Urban Meyer in a staff meeting that week told his assistants, I'm sick of being embarrassed. We need to start winning right now, or some of you are not going to be back next year. This is before the third preseason game, Jim. They were going to face the Cowboys. They game plan for that game to make sure that they won. It rattled a lot of people because you've got some veteran NFL assistants who have been in a lot of different buildings, and they know this is not what it's supposed to look like. So then you have the losing early on in the season. You have the viral videos in that uh, bar in in, uh, Columbus, Ohio, where Urban has a woman who is not his wife dancing between his legs. He's got to answer for that. He's got to answer for not coming back on the team plane. They actually won a couple of games after that. They beat the Bills 9-6, to and it seemed like, okay, maybe they've got something going here. But then after that, it was just offensive incompetence for about seven weeks there. And then some of those other things started to happen. Some of the frustration, the tension boiled over. Uh, What happened with Marvin Jones, one of the most mild-mannered, nicest guys in the league. It takes a lot to tick off a guy like Marvin Jones. And he was furious about the stuff that Urban Meyer was saying publicly and privately. He had situations like the James Robinson benching, which Urban Meyer claimed publicly was not a benching. I know for a fact he said on the headset, get him out of the game. Wouldn't let Robinson go back in, and Trevor Lawrence had to intervene. And then you had the staff meeting with the assistant coaches where it was a very clear message that Urban Meyer's a winner, the assistant coaches are losers. He went around the room pointing at each guy saying, have you won? Have you won? It was not a rhetorical question. He wanted them to answer that. Again, all these things, even before you get to the allegations made by the former kicker Josh Lambeau that Urban Meyer had kicked him uh, during a pregame warm-up, There was just so much there that was not how you expect an NFL operation to go. And really what the bottom line became was this is not going to get better as long as Urban Meyer is there. He's going to have to fire staff. Are any coaches going to want to go and play for him? Players want out. Are you going to be able to sign players without wildly overpaying for him? Are you going to be able to take this thing forward? And obviously Shad Khan, the owner, uh, came to the decision, even though he's inclined to be patient. He was patient with Gus Bradley. He was patient with Doug Marone. Patience was not going to fix what was going on with Urban Meyer. That's why he's out, and the Jaguars, once again, are looking for a new head coach. Tom Pelissero joining us. Tom, I've got about a minute. I do want to ask you, where do you think Jacksonville will go from here? 
They've got to find somebody who's going to inject some juice into the building, Jim, because, you know, Urban Meyer, the other thing he was supposed to do besides, you know, instill winning and develop a quarterback was he was supposed to put people back in the seats in Jacksonville. They're 30th in attendance right now. you got the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence, a guy who's still got a world of potential. Uh, I would anticipate, and of course it's very early in the process, but I would anticipate they're going to be looking for somebody from an offensive background, probably a younger coach, somebody who's high energy, upbeat uh you know there's a bunch of different names have been connected to it kellen moore the cowboys offensive coordinator nathaniel hackett who used to work in jacksonville is now the packers offensive coordinator i think that you're going to be looking at some guys like that byron leftwich the former jaguars quarterback is now the bucks oc another name that's going to come up i would expect them to cast a wide net but i guarantee you this jim it will not be another hard charging college coach it will be somebody who has been in the nfl knows what the nfl is supposed to look like, and they've got to get that entire building right because as bad as it's been throughout Jaguars' history in terms of you know just the overall culture of losing they've had, this was a low point in my close to 20 years covering the NFL. This is the worst environment I ever heard. There's a lot to overhaul. There's a lot to work with. Shad Khan's a very patient, supportive owner, but you got to get the right guy in place, and that's the, the process they're going through right now. This is great, great stuff. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network reporter. You can follow him on Twitter, at Tom Pelissero. Thursday Night Football concludes this week. Niners, Titans exclusively on NFL Network. Tom, I really appreciate that. Great stuff. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Jim. Thanks. Pro. It can happen so easily. You're out with friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. Then a few becomes a few too many. It's time to go. And for a moment, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, I'm a good driver. I live nearby. I'll make it home just fine. I mean, what are the odds that I'll get pulled over? Even so, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? They take my license. I lose my job. I total my car. I kill somebody. Listen, it only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. As I mentioned, if you win the smack off, not only are you exempt from ever qualifying for it ever again, when you call outside of the smack off, you go right to the front of the line. Hey man, that's not fair. That's not cool. I don't care. It is what it is. If you've won the smack off, clearly you make this show better. And if you can make this show better, you can cut the line. Let's go to Vic in NoCal. Vic, what's up? What's up, Ron? Hey, uh, I don't know about full turtlenecks, but uh, mock turtlenecks are definitely money. You should uh, start selling those on your website again like you used to back in the day, man. Hey, uh, really quick here. Uh, can you imagine if they did a remake of the movie The Godfather, but uh, instead of Marlon Brando as Don Corleone, they got the Southern man, Brian Kelly? Hey, Bonacera, I'm going to help you out of your little predicament this time. But in the future, there may come a time when I call upon you to perform a service for my family. Dude, I would, I would totally watch that. <laughs> Or how about old Bayou Brian starring in a remake of The Fast and the Furious in the role of Dominic Toretto? Like, now listen here, y'all. I live my life a quarter mile at a time, and there ain't nothing that's more important to me than family. Anyway, Rome, uh, speaking of family, I'd like to wish everyone a great holiday season. Merry Christmas. I especially want to send my best wishes and the best of luck, Rome, to a group of people who really need it the most right now. And I'm talking, of course, about the family members of one Richard in Buffalo, who once again are going to have to spend the holidays with this meatball. 
Because, I mean, seriously, Rome, how freaking awful must that be, man? I mean, that's got to be one of Dante's nine circles of hell, right? Uh, look, man, first of all, it's got to be really confusing to all his little nieces and nephews, you know? I mean, Uncle Rick shows up at their house with that big old pumpkin head of his. They're not sure if they're supposed to speak to that thing or try to turn it into a pie. And secondly, Rome, you know Rick, and you know this is true, you know he's one of these guys who thinks that dressing up nicely for the occasion is just slapping on a wrinkly old button-down shirt and wearing it all untucked, you know, hanging out of his jeans, like with the shirt tails coming all the way halfway down to his knees, and he thinks that looks sharp. Hey, asshat, nobody thinks that's a good look, okay? Feel free to mix in some untuckit.com, loser. Use the promo code Rome. And then, worst of all, Rome, you know Uncle Rick always appoints himself to be the guy in charge of the music for the evening, right? And it's not like he's bringing all those classic Bing Crosby Christmas songs everyone loves, man. Nah, he's got that trusty old shoebox with him. You know, that old shoebox that's full of all his Goo Goo Dolls mixtapes and playlists that he personally curated himself, you know? He's got all their big hits in there, man, like uh, that one song. What was, uh, what was that big hit of theirs, man? It was... Uh, it was in all the uh, adult contemporary soft rock stations. It was, God, it was like on the soundtrack of a big Hollywood movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the one, it's the one that goes like this, man. It's the one that goes, I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I'd miss you, baby. Dude, the good dolls are straight up ass, dude. Seriously, Raul, man. How testicularly deficient of a man do you have to be to call that your favorite band? Cause I don't wanna miss a thing. The good all suck, and so do you, Rick. Anyway, Rom, I could keep going on this guy all day, but uh, why don't we end on a more positive note here? Okay, I, I prepared a little Christmas parody that uh, I hope everyone enjoys, and it brings a little light into their life as the year comes to a close. It's a very uplifting little tune, Rome, if I say so myself. So anyway, here it is, to the beat of that old Christmas classic. Do you hear what I hear? Said the dolphin boy to the mother whale. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Said the seahorse to the tuna fish. Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? A star, a star, an NBA star swimming here with us in the sea. And his name is Bison Deli. Because I didn't know that was going to end that way. Not a very good call. Nobody saw that coming, Vic. No way, Vic. A Bison Daylay reference. Didn't see that coming. Oh, knock me over. Proud to say this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Hey, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another one that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle. It's called 
DirecTV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of that ugly clutter and all the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Anything you want to complain about, anything you want to cry about, anything you have a beef with, hit me up. It can be anything. It does not need to be sports related. 1-800-636-8686. Phone calls coming up in a minute. Also on social media at Jim Rome. Also on email, Rome at haveatake.com. Here they are. Rome, my beef is with internet companies. I am two clicks away from getting full service internet. But if I want to cancel it, I have to scour the website, fill out three forms, call three people, and deny all their last minute begging to stay with us for $5 less per month. High school breakups cannot believe how messy this separation is. Jeff from PDX. Well done. I like that. Jim, my beef is with other sports networks constantly hyping the Cowboys. How is Dak going to overcome this or that? What is Jerry thinking about this? Who cares? I change the channel when that crap comes on. War turtlenecks. Maybe you name your next horse Turtleneck. Yeah, maybe I don't, Rick. But I appreciate your first thought. Rome, my beef is with the old-ass geezer at the meat counter who requests one pound of sliced pastrami. The butcher weighs it out at 1.01 pounds and asks, are you okay with that? The old geezer tells the butcher to put one slice back. The butcher weighs the pastrami again, and now it's 0.99 pounds. The geezer tells the butcher to add a half a slice back to get exactly one pound on the scale. Then he proceeds to try to pay with a check at the self-checkout. Get with the times, you butthole. Brandon in ABQ. Hey, Rome, I've got a beef with multiple Super Bowl pool guy. He's at the party. His sheets are all over the table. And the annoying banter never stops. Okay, I need these guys to kick a field goal and get a safety. Now I need those guys to score two TDs but miss one of the extra points. Holy crap. Stop. Dude, just write the scores down after each quarter and sort it out later. Or all 29 of your sheets are going into the fireplace. Mike and Snowbird. At Arlasco tweets, Jim, my evergreen beef is that my Canadian satellite TV provider does not carry the CBS Sports Network. Merry Christmas to you, your family. Family. The XR4TI and all the clones. Sincerely, Alan in Manitoba. War 2022, returning the world to normal. Nice job, dude. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I like that. Dear Pimp. My beef is dudes who answer every call they get on speakerphone. It's nearly 2022. Nobody on this bus that we're riding together with is impressed that you have a cell phone. Take that blower, put it to your ear, and conduct your stupid business transaction in private. Craig in Calgary. That's a good point. 
Rome Slice, what's my beef? Adults that make their family wear Christmas pajamas. It's a holiday for your kids, weirdo. Not an opportunity for you to relive the stress of your midlife crisis. Geoff and Lincoln. Bro, Dodger Jano did that one year. Dodger Jano for years. You know the famous Christmas card? The famous Rome Christmas card people talk about? For years, Dodger Jano put the two boys in the same outfit. So I'm like, stop, 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 stop. The other thing Dodger Jano did, she was all about the kids' hair and their curls. And she would not let me cut the kids' hair or get them haircuts. I'm like, Dodger Jano, Logan's 16. He's never had a haircut. His hair's down to his ass. Are you going to cut his hair? We'll find out in five seconds whether or not she's watching or listening. Coming in five, four, three, two, one. Nope, not listening. Hi, Jim. You want to know what my beef is? My beef is with those kooks that capitalize the first letter in every single word of their texts and emails. There has to be a medical term for this psychotic behavior. Bellby in Calgary. Hmm. I have a beef with the lies that are Christmas. Santa's fat annoying ass. Flying hooved mammals. Elves on shelves and so on. God forbid our children lie to us. But when do we when are we so quick to punish or give a lecture? When that happens, make your life easy, losers, and tell the brats this bleep ain't real. While you're at it, tell them about the tooth fairy and the giant fake rodent. Matt and AK. Man, I, I hate to keep dragging Dodger Jano into this, but that's another one. She held on to that lie as long as she could. I'm like, DJ, Jake's 19. I think he knows that Santa's not real. Let's see if she's listening. Five, four, three, two, one. Nope. Nope. Oh, there she is. <laughs> and I quote, very funny. And when she says very funny, she does not think it's funny at all. Yo, what up, DJ? Love you, DJ. It is funny. Let's see what else we got here. My beef, my beef is that if this is the last regular show of the year, that means no at Big Head Bets until January. Nice for him. Sucks for us. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing? Matthew and Austin, thanks for nothing? You mean thanks for all those free picks that made me all that money? You're welcome, bro. You're welcome. Hi, Jim. My beef is the way my mother-in-law pronounces Bluetooth. She puts the emphasis on blue. So instead of saying Bluetooth, she says blue tooth. Like it's a restaurant. The Bluetooth. Sarah T. Wore my birthday tomorrow. I'm your age now, Jim. War lady clones. Feels good, right, Sarah? Happy birthday. What up, JR? My beef is the lady that insists on driving with the damn dog in her lap. Lady, set the dog aside. Hit the gas. It's the little one on the right. 
Ben in Denver. Hey, Jimmy Crack Corn, Tanned Turtle Man. My beef is the kid at the convenience store saying to me, how's your day going, young man? When it's quite obvious I've got a decade or better on you. Just stop it. Quote, for real. Paul in Canyon Lake, Texas. Jim, my beef is with Chalk, who won't submit my suggestions for naming your horse. My Christmas gift to you. Number one, Mr. Falcon. Number two, Crop Duster. Merry Christmas. Signed, BZ in Pensacola. Dude, that's why he won't, because your names suck. They're bad ideas. I'm not saying you're a bad guy. I'm not saying you're a bad emailer. I'm saying your horse names are bad. That's why. Shut up, James Kelly. James Kelly's like, dude, Crop Duster's great. Kelly, dude, you you know the horses. You know the game. You see my phone? Can you hear my phone? It's James Kelly. Here's Crop Duster in the stretch. It, It sounds terrible, dude. Like you do when you come on Big Head Bets and butcher the English language. Jim, my beef is with the idiots that are always behind me at the grocery store, checkout counters. Note to idiots, stop putting your crap so close to mine. I set down a divider bar to help you. Back your cart up so I have room to pay while I type in my digits. Keep the recommended COVID distance. I don't want your COVID, lice, ringworm, parvo, or any other filthy diseases you carry. Happy holidays to you and your crew. Jim and Temecula. Well said, Jimmy. Dear Jim, I've got beef with that dude who wore a St. Louis Battlehawks sweatshirt, of all things, to my daughter's holiday concert. Thanks, guy. Now, instead of enjoying the music and supporting my daughter and her friends, every two minutes, my mind is just going, St. Louis Battlehawks. St. Louis Battlehawks. Major beef, Rome. (laughs) That's awesome. Hey, Rome. My beef is with the office lady who always dressed up for Christmas around this time of year and has 50 Christmas cards on her desk, some of which are 20 years old. I have to physically call her because I can't see her behind the wall of cards on her desk when I need to ask her a work-related question. Steve from the Northwest. You see, I said you can complain about anything you want. Jimmers, I got beef with you and the show. Now, when I watch sports, all I see are rafts, rats, horses, losers, necks, bags, and big, fat Mike McCarthy. Thanks, Jimmers. Thanks for that. Signed, Abigail in San Diego. What are you talking about, Abby? You're welcome, Abigail. Romy, my beef is with news articles or news anchors referring to unprecedented weather. And then go on to reference that the last time the same weather event occurred. If it's happened before, a precedent had therefore been established. Dave in the 808. Rome, I have a beef. I have a beef with dudes who wear man sandals with jeans. Is there a worse look for a dude than rocking ass tight jeans? With his big-ass size 13 Harry and the Henderson foot being jammed into an old leather flip-flop. Your feet are freaking disgusting. Put on some shoes, you bags. 
Steven Sacktown. Rome Skillet. My beef is with guys who rock turtlenecks. They're always getting into car accidents in their driveways, running self-glossers, getting crop dusted by valets, having takes for days, having fully cropped domes of lettuce, running their faces into studio cameras, and are serial killers of burgers. All while looking silky smooth in their turtlenecks. Not cool turtleneck man. Mario, well played. Lefty and KC. The beef segment needs to be twice a week starting in January, Monday and Friday. It's that good. Hashtag please consider. I might. I've said it a million times. You can beef anytime you want. You don't have to wait for an actual segment. Let's go to the phones. Wrap these beefs up. Don in Erie. Good to have you, Don. What's your beef? Hey, Jim. It's uh, Don, D-O-M. But uh, good afternoon, Mr. Rome. Ah. No. I don't like that color. I don't like that color. Not a very good That might be your given name. That might be your name on your birth certificate. But on my call screen, it's Dawn, D-O-N. So on this show, you're Dawn, Dom. Don't self-gloss yourself with your actual name. Hey, Alvin, is that why you ran him? He corrected the host? (laughs) Even though that's on shock. Alvin screened that one, and he still ran him. That's incredible. And, and by the way, if we went to him first, that means he had the best beef, and we didn't hear it because we ran him because we got his name wrong. Too bad. That was going to be a good beef. Way to go, Alvin. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Fabian. Fabian, you know, you know, you know. What's your beef, man? You know, you know, doggy dog. Hey, I have beef. Honestly, I must be making multiples now. I have beef with that previous dude. Like, right? You know, I was telling Chalk, hey, oh, you know what? Okay, anyways, I have beef. Okay, I'm known for drinking a bit, right? So, you know, I go to the neighborhood uh, liquor store two, three times, four, five times a day, right? I have beef with this person because there's multiples. They card me every single time I go. I've been here for years, right? And it's like, what, am I going to get any younger? Dude, I have a problem with these guys that run around with a motorcycle, right? And you have your, if you have your window down and stuff. Ah. That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not have not call. heard from Fabes recently. He got in, but you see, that's what he does. He comes in and he kind of runs around the joint. And we got to keep moving on the beef segment. You know, like, bam, 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 bam. That's not... About Fabe's not about that life. He kind of has trouble getting to his point. Maybe it's because he's at the liquor store four or five times a day. Anyway, you're you're still my man, Fabe's. Old school. One eight hundred six three six eight six eight six. Let's go to Matt in L.A. Hey Matt, what's your beef, yo? Vance, my beef is with people who wrap their doors like a Christmas present. A tool, that person that has the elf legs hanging from the trunk think you're an idiot. All right, Matt. I know that was hard. You're not used to, like, getting in and getting out, doing a beef, but you did it. Outro! He converted that call to a beef. Well done. 
Let's go to Ty in Boise quickly. Good to have you, Ty. What's your beef? Jim, my beef is with a certain no-name bag from NoCal confusing Aerosmith for the Goo Goo Dolls. Yes, the dolls do suck, but so do you, Vic. Buddy needs a night out after listening to your call. War turtlenecks and wearing whatever the hell you want. Happy holidays, Rome, to you and the fam. I'm out. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Rack him. And not because he picked me up with a turtleneck. That was a funny call. It's good stuff. He was not the first one to make the point that Vic confused the Goo Goo Dolls with an Aerosmith song. He's like, hey, yo, bro, unwar that unnamed bag for confusing those two, even though the Goo Goo Dolls suck. Honestly, my take on the dolls, the Goo Goo Dolls, I don't think they suck. I don't. I really don't. I like the early stuff a lot, too, when they were still kind of punk. I think the name sucks of the band, but not the band itself. And even when they sold out and got everything they wanted and they got their packed arenas and all their money, and you know, that, that'll happen. That'll happen. I do like the early stuff, though, when they were influenced by the replacements. Let's see. I think we're done. We're done. I've got Jordan Palmer coming up next, so we are officially done. There is your beef segment. That thing went fast. Always does. Jordan Palmer is my guest. Jordan, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Jim? Good, good, Jordan. I want to talk to you about quarterbacks in a moment, but i got to ask you about something. You had a recent video on Instagram where you talked about the one player that you were most starstruck by to meet in the NFL. And the thing is, you're not really that guy, right, Jordan? You're not. You don't strike me as somebody who would ever be awestruck or starstruck. You played in the NFL. Your brother was the first pick overall. Who is the player you're talking about, and why was this particular guy so awe-inspiring? Yeah, I uh, I started pushing uh, content on Instagram and TikTok actually, and um, and so I've been doing a lot of just engagement, you know, kind of answering questions, and that's kind of new for me. Um, and I had a bunch of questions. I had to really think about it. You know, I did kind of this, and um, even when I was a little kid, you know, we were training with Rob Johnson's dad, so you know, I was a little kid, and Rob Johnson was in the NFL, and met Keyshawn when he was at USC. So I kind of been around it. And then for some reason, when I got drafted by the uh, Washington Redskins at the time, um, my locker was next to Sean Taylor. And I just saw this, like, 6'3", 230-pound dude who was faster than everybody, had better ball skills than all the wide receivers, could out-hit any of the players on defense. Um, and I, you know, it was, I, wasn't I didn't have a Sean Taylor jersey going into that. It wasn't that I was this huge fan. I was just like – Okay, so this guy who's arguably one of the best players in the NFL, this is what this looks like. Um, and it was just, uh, yeah, I think I remember meeting him and just, even though he was a, technically a teammate at the time, just pretty, kind of being starstruck about it. Jordan Palmer joining us. It's a great story, a really good story. Let me ask you this, and our time is kind of limited, but I want to follow up and ask you this. I've always been fascinated by Sean Taylor and the love and the respect that players around the league have him to this day. I mean, in a league full of guys who have that intangible it, how do you explain the fact that he seemed to have more of it than anybody else? Well, I just don't think he ever took him. And that, this was the, by the way, the year that I met him, that's the year he passed away. So, um, I, he just, I don't think he ever took himself too seriously. He was one of those guys that just loved playing ball. And I know that sounds cliche, but I, I think that was it. I think he just loved playing football. He loved everything about it. He loved doing backpedal drills. He loved working out, loved working on ball skills. He was just one of those guys. He was, he was, you know, first guy on the field and would stick around afterwards because he was having fun. And I don't think he ever really took himself too seriously. He didn't, you know, he wasn't all swaggy with the – I don't even think he wore gloves. You know what I mean? He just was one of those true 
football players that was playing because he loved it. And uh, I thought that was really cool because, you know, the majority of the locker room's full with guys that are doing it for other reasons. We're talking to Jordan Palmer. I will never, ever get tired of hearing Sean Taylor's stories. They're always great. So, among other things, Jordan, I mentioned you've worked with Trevor Lawrence. I want to ask you about his year. As you watched him, obviously things did not go to plan in any way, shape, or form for Jacksonville overall. What have you thought as you've watched him play this year? And are you at all concerned that they may have had done some damage that may have long-term effects on him because of this year? Well, I think anytime you take a high pick and you put him in a chaotic situation, and that'd be, that'd be an understatement, Jim, um, you put him in a chaotic situation early in the career. That's the natural question, right? Did we, did, is there going to be some scar tissue here? Did we set him back? Did we kill this kid's confidence, right? Is he going to be able to realize the potential that he had before he was drafted? And so that really comes down to, I think, the, the young man more so than the player of can this player deal with failure and adversity and uh, unmet expectations and, and chaos and drama can, can a young player, whether it's Peyton Manning, who I think, you know, led, led the NFL in interceptions his rookie year or any of these stories we hear about these other number one picks. Can we, um, can the guy bounce back? Can the, can the young man bounce back? They have, again, aside from the player, do they have the maturity? Do they have the confidence? Um, do they have the, the self-assurance to be able to bounce back? My experience with Trevor, I don't have a, I, there's been other guys I would be concerned. I do. I am not concerned with Trevor's ability to withstand what's happened this year. And then I think the other thing is, is I look at for all these young players, whether they're doing what Trey Lance is doing or they're doing what Mac Jones is doing. Um, it's about reps and not necessarily game reps. It's reps at things that you're going to have to go through in your career. And to be honest, I think Trevor was like 86 and five or something high school and college. So, he didn't have a lot of reps at failure. He didn't have a lot of reps at lining up, and that other team that you're playing against is way better than your team. And he didn't have a lot of reps of uncertainty and, and a lack of leadership at the head coach position. He played for Dabo Sweeney, and he played for a great high school coach. So, again, for me, I'm the coach guy, so I'm looking at this going, he's getting an incredible amount of reps at things that he had never been through before. And if you're looking at a guy who's going to play 15-plus years, might as well get all these reps on a year when you're losing right now. Might as well get a lot of those reps and then figure out what you're going to do with the development that you got from those reps and add to it. And if you add those two elements together, the young man, can he handle it? And are we getting quality reps? That's, I think, how you set up a great career. And, and so I think coming out of this season into the offseason, Trevor's going to be a more confident version of himself than he was 12 months ago because he's got exposure to things he didn't have exposure to. I think that is a fascinating response. And by the way, his coach also did not get those reps, and he handled it way better than the coach did, obviously. And I didn't even go back to high school. He didn't really experience that in high school either, so he's never really experienced it. We're talking to Jordan Palmer. Jordan, you mentioned Mac Jones. I want to get your thoughts on him. Obviously, there is so much to like about him and how he's handled himself and that offense. When you watch him, do you see somebody who is special? Do you see somebody who's transcendent? Do you see somebody who makes everybody around him better or do you see a guy who's just got really solid skills like how would you evaluate him going forward um i definitely think he has at the worst at the low end has really solid skills i think he can spin it he can put as much velocity and as much energy into the ball as he needs to to have success at this league um but i just think he's very calculated um calculated meaning he's aggressive when he needs to be aggressive and, I, and i'm looking at a two-year sample size i'm looking back at alabama last year he doesn't 
push the ball down the field by any means necessary. He takes shots when they're there. Checks it down, and if he needs to go two for three to beat Buffalo, he'll go two for three. Uh, and so I just think that he's calculated. And in my, from my vantage point, becoming a calculated quarterback where you're not emotional, you're not, you know, a lot of young quarterbacks they get emotional and about decision making. Where if we've got a post over the top, right, a big a chance for a big play, they get so excited about the chance for that post that they might just predetermine that they're throwing that post. Immature quarterbacks in high school, college, and pro do that. More savvy veteran guys get calculated. Aaron Rodgers doesn't feel like he has to throw the post. He'll throw it if it's there. He doesn't need – there's no emotion in the decision-making for those guys. They've played long enough. They've made enough of these decisions. They're just going to make the sound decision consistently. So I look at Mac Jones. I go, the skill set's there. He's more mobile than people think. His skill set is fine or better right, to have success in this league. But what's most impressive is he's already, only after playing one full year of college and a handful of games this year, he's already a calculated decision maker. And that's what's most impressive to me. And that's why it's such a good fit for Josh McDaniels and the New England Patriots. Jordan Palmer joining us. All right, Jordan, I mentioned off the very top, you were doing the Summit Tour. You've always done your work here in SoCal. What is prompting this? What prompted the tour and where are you going to go? Well, it's really cool. I, you know, I, I do these camps. They're two days, ages 11 to 17. Um, very rarely have, hear anything other than it was transformative. Uh, I pour into the parents. I bring in NFL parents, parents of NFL quarterbacks. They come in and talk. And, you know, it's, so it's a forum for parents. It's two days. It's in the classroom. It's on the field. Um, it's basically, here's what I'm telling all these super high draft picks and superstars in college. Here's, here, I'll give it to you ahead of time of what you need to work on. I've always done them in Southern California. They've always sold out and been um, a great experience for the families. And COVID made it difficult. So finally, I'm, I'm going to hit. I'm going to do 12 of them. Uh, we're going to go to Charlotte, Chicago, Cincinnati, uh, Nashville, Arizona. We'll be in Vegas for the draft that weekend. We'll be in L.A. for the Super Bowl the weekend before. Um, and, so, and then Lake Tahoe up after that uh, American Century Classic. So I'm hitting 10 different cities, 12 stops. I cap it. There's only 35 kids at each camp. And, uh, there's a lot of great things to do to develop your game, but coming to one or two of these uh, can help kind of set that young that young man's gaze on what he needs to be focused on and then how he can do that. It sounds awesome. What a great opportunity. So if people want more information, where do they go to get it? You can go to QBSummit.com um, and then follow me on social is easy because I'm always posting stuff there. All right, do that. It is the Summit Tour, 12 stops, 10 cities. Jordan Palmer laying it all out. Jordan, great job. Appreciate you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Great to have you on, Jordan. Thanks so much. Same to you. Thanks, Jim. Be good. Good night.